0: Hello, everyone. My name is Rick, Rick van Bruggen from NeoTechnology. And here we are again, recording another Neo4j graph database podcast. Uh, Tonight, I'm joined by Chris Daly, all the way from Oregon. Hi, Chris. Hello. Hey, good to have you on the podcast. Thanks for taking the time. Yeah, thanks for having me. Yeah, super. Uh, Chris, uh, I I read some of the blog posts that you wrote for us uh, around Neo4j and the internet of things. That's probably the most hyped term I've heard in the past decade. So maybe you can tell us a little bit more about what you do and how you got involved with Neo4j and the Internet of Things. Okay. Yeah, so my name is
1: Chris Daly. I've been a software engineer for about 20 years now. Um, I'm not using Neo4j or doing Internet of Things for my day job, um, but for the last several years, I've been both um, using uh, Neo4j for Internet of Things um, at home for um, hardware hacking hobby projects that I work on. Um, I wanted to mention that. So I, I noticed in your podcast, you ask people where they first encountered Neo4j. Um, yep. It was actually on another podcast that I first heard about Neo4j. Um, there's a podcast I listen to sometimes called Hansel Minutes. Uh, it's H-A-N-S-E-L Minutes. Uh, the, the podcaster is named Scott Hanselman. He lives somewhere in the Portland area, kind of you know where I live. Um, Mm -hmm. And this this was episode 280 of Hansel Minutes. He talked about graph databases. This was back in August of 2011. Um, So it was was a general podcast about graph databases. That was, I think, my first introduction to the idea. Yeah, he (laughs) talked about Neo4j, but he he was interviewing someone from Microsoft Research who was talking about his um, uh, database at, at Microsoft, but it was also more general. They covered Neo4j too. Um, and so at the time, I was, I was kind of walking around my neighborhood listening to this podcast thinking, this sounds really cool. I, I, I want to try one of these graph databases. Um, I didn't at the time need a database for anything, um, but I, I was also at the time starting to work on this, the Internet of Things projects. I, when I first started that stuff, I, I don't think I'd heard the term Internet of Things. Um, I thought of it as hardware hacking. Um, you know, I, I was finding things like Arduino type yeah, computers yeah. and starting to play around with those. Um, And at the beginning, you know, it was just me figuring out how to do simple things, you know, turn lights on and off or read a sensor. Um, But it it reached a point where I had several of these little computers with several sensors and they're all, you know, ready to post data. And suddenly I needed a database or wanted a database to to record that data and graph it and do that sort of thing. Um, And so that was the point at which I came back to Neo4j and, and started playing around with it. I, I could have used a SQL database. Sure. The, the data I have is mostly time series data and I think it would, would work well with SQL, but I was still interested in learning about graph databases. So I picked up Neo4j um, and started, I started running it on an x86 um, host machine and I had my little internet things around the house posting their data um, and, and got that working and that was kind of fun. But then I thought, you know, this would be way cooler if I can run Neo4j on some of these little things. Yay. And and I, I first tried it with the original Raspberry Pi. Yeah. That did not work. Um, the, the first Raspberry Pi is ARM6 architecture. And uh, this was also in the Neo4j 1.x timeframe. Mm-hmm. Um, and there, there was something about ARM6 where Neo4j wouldn't support it. Um, but there are similar machines like the BeagleBone Black, which are ARM7. And so I, I got Neo4j to run on the BeagleBone Black and then subsequently on similar ARM7 machines like a PC Duino is another one. Um, and once I had that working, it was just a lot of fun. I mean, I ran into problems. I could run Neo4j on the on the BeagleBone Black for maybe a week or so and then it would mysteriously crash. Um, and so I was I spent a lot of time like figuring out those things and getting it to run smoothly for long periods of time. Yeah. Um, and that's really why like I I considered dropping the 4 for a while, but I've always been able to get it to do what I needed it to do. And, and, you know, I was able to get it running smoothly on, on the BeagleBone Black for weeks at a time. Yeah. Um, and, and really happy about that. Um,
0: so, so one... t- tell me a little bit about the, spe- the specs of those machines. How big are those machines? You know, like RAM and, you know, uh, OS that they run. I have no yeah, so idea. the The, Be-
1: both the Raspberry Pi and the BeagleBone Black, um, Have a half a gig of RAM and they're single core, and and I'm I'm referring to the original Raspberry Pi here. Um, So single core ARM7 or ARM6, half a gig of RAM. Now the the new, there's a Raspberry Pi Model Two, which is ARM7, and that one is quad core and it's got a full gig of RAM. So it's like you know so much better. and, and Neo4j runs happily on the new Raspberry Pi, this Raspberry Pi Model 2. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's also, I'm I'm running it now on Raspberry Pi Model 2s, and um, uh, there's a company called Odroid that makes machines that are pretty similar to the Raspberry Pi Model 2, a little bit higher performance. So I'm running it on those two. They're both, again, ARM 7. Um, some of the Odroids have two gigs of RAM, so they've okay. got even more. Um, one thing I wanted to to point out while we're talking here is, so I have... Um, a lot of information about what I've been doing on my GitHub pages, uh, and I put up a couple of pictures for us to look at and talk about that will kind of explain, I think, some of what I'm doing here. Yep. So um, my, my GitHub user ID is CJ Daily, C-J-D-A-L-Y. So if you go to github.com slash
0: C-J-D-A-L-Y slash fold, F-O-L-D... Chris, mm-hmm. what I'll do is, you know, uh, when I when I post the podcast, I'll also, you know, include it in the in a transcription on the pod, on my blog. So sure. I'll, I'll I'll put some links in there, and then uh, people can find that uh, uh, the easy way. <laughs> Okay. Yeah. So, so, so can I ask you a question? You know, so what, what I'm hearing is that, um, you know, so you're using Neo4j on all, on these tiny little machines, and you know, they're receiving all of this uh, wonderful information, weather information, whatever it is, sensor information, and you're storing that into Neo4j. You know, how 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 do you find the, the the match for you know these types of applications and the particularities of a of a graph database? Is it a good fit? You think?
1: Um, I think it, well again I, like I said i have started a lot of time series data and that would be a good fit for SQL but it's working fine in Neo4j what what I'm using Neo4j for so far is not really that um, complicated or I don't think I'm using I don't think I'm stressing it to its limits um, you know, I'm, I'm using it I, I have a time tree which I talked about in the blog post I saw that yep and, and so I'm as as I go along as I as I capture new sensor data um, I'll add another minute to the time tree if, you know, if, there's, if it's new for that minute, and then I'll connect the sensor data um, node to the minute node. Um, and so then later I can write queries that will, um, you know, like one thing I could do is, is say, give me the, um, the data kind of for every hour. So I can get long um, you know, graphs that show over the course of weeks by looking at um, uh, data from every hour or every half hour, that can, kind of thing. You can easily select the subgraph, basically, right? Right. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but my, I, I am still very much working my way up the cipher learning curve. Okay. I mean, I've, I've I've managed to do a few cool things, but when I look at the Slack channels, the the help cipher Slack channel, I see people doing really cool things that I I don't fully understand yet. So I'm I'm am uh, I'm still learning and trying to get better at cipher.
0: Okay, yeah, yeah. yeah. So w- have you got any uh, fancy plans for the future here that that, that you want to use this um, this you know technology for or uh, what what are, any any hobby projects uh, once your kitchen gets remodeled? <laughs> <laughs>
1: well, so again, if if, if your uh, users make it to my GitHub pages, I have I have some pictures on that fold um, repository of. Of of these little internet things that I've built, and this is what I I love to do the most, and what I'll probably be doing more of, is that um, I, you know, I look around at at websites that sell all of these little parts, like like SparkFun or Adafruit or or ones that people may have heard of, and I just try to find cool little parts that I can assemble into working computer systems, and then write the custom code for. Um, So on on this one fold uh, GitHub. Repo. I have pictures of two of the systems that I've recently built. Um, one is uh, based on the Raspberry Pi two, and the other is one of these Odroid systems. They're both running Neo4j, and and they both have um, weather data sensors, so they're capturing humidity and temperature and and barometer information, and then storing that in Neo4j. Um, and so that I mean, w- one thing I'd like to do, I think, is is go farther, make make even more interesting. What th- these these are both what I've done with both of these systems is built. Wall-hanging computers, so they're they're framed in a, like a picture frame, and they hang on the wall. And there's a power cord that drops down to wherever the plug is. Um, and in these cases, actually, they're both power over Ethernet. So there's a single cord coming down that will give power and Ethernet to the machine. So I, I'm interested in doing you know more projects like that with whatever cool. Um, Hardware parts I can find, um, but in terms of Neo4j and Cypher, I'm also, like I said, I'm, I'm pretty far down the learning curve. I'm interested in learning more and doing, you know, more interesting things with with Neo4j on these little devices. Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. Well, you know, there's, um, I don't know if you're, you're into that at all, but you know, some of these, uh, you know, Raspberry Pi and Arduino uh, groups, the most, the most active groups that I've seen here in Europe are uh, are actually the the groups that have kids. Uh, learn to program these things. Uh, is that is that popular at all in uh, in Oregon or uh, like coder dojos or those types of things? Is that anything um, that
1: happens?
0: There? I think it is. I, you know, I have two kids who are a little
1: bit too young for this, but okay. I, I'm hoping to get them into it later. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, I do think that um, in in high schools around here, um, they're used for for
0: teaching. Yeah. Uh, it's super cool, right? I mean, it's so tangible and so you know, uh, low low barrier to access. It's cheap as well. You know, it's a uh, it's a nice way to for for kids to learn uh, how a computer works. I think. Cool. Definitely. Chris, thank you so much for coming on the podcast. Um, we like to keep these uh, uh, short and snappy, so I really appreciate your time. And uh, you know, first of all, good luck with the uh, remodeling at home and uh, and with the projects that you have lined up. And um, I hope to see you someday uh, at Graph Connect or another conference, maybe. Okay, yeah, thanks a lot for having me. Thank you. Bye bye. Okay, bye bye.